A psalm for senior citizens, some call this. A psalm for older people, Spurgeon mentioned it. I call it my retirement psalm. My retirement psalm. The plan I use to read through the Bible each year, I actually changed it some years ago, and I was struck when I came to my birthday that this was the psalm. So every year on my birthday, I read this psalm, and I read it at other times too, and it is very appropriate for verse 18. First time I read it, verse 18, Now also when I am old and gray-headed. And of course, I don't need to look at the mirror to know that. I think of the man said to his wife, Will you love me when I'm old and gray? And she said, I do. I do. Or I think I told you last time I was here, but it bears repeating. Some years ago, I met a man I hadn't seen in over 30 years, a neighbor, couldn't remember his name. And he said, you're the Reverend Johnson. That's right. He said, I live beside you just for about a year. He said, you haven't changed a bit. And when I went home and told my wife, Rama, and I said, you know, and and she remembered his name. Oh, and he said, I haven't changed a bit. And just like that, she laughed and said, Ron, what he meant was you were old, gray, and ugly back then too. <laughs> See, men, isn't it good to have a wife encourages you, keeps your feet on the ground? But I read this every year. Now I am old and gray-headed. And so forgive me if I preach to myself this morning. Uh, I read it again this week because I've been asked to speak uh, to some ministers on And I've been given the subject, what it's like to be retired. What it's like to be retired. Now, of course, I'll not be preaching the whole of this psalm. I may mention it, but just practical things to do with the ministry and retirement. So I thought of this psalm. I'm preaching to myself. You might be young here. It's also for you, because all of God's Word is profitable. So don't tune out and say, well, this is only for the older members of the congregation. No, everybody... uh, has a blessing from this psalm. But of course, accepting our age isn't always easy. Growing older is something everybody wants and yet often fears. Old age has many challenges. The fear of death, sickness, illness, the passing of loved ones, friends, maybe feeling useless, Many, many challenges of growing older. But we must face such challenges as the psalmist did. And this psalm has uh, much to say uh, to us. When I read that uh, phrase, gray-headed, or the word, now I am old and gray-headed, I thought of another verse, Proverbs 16 and 31. The hoary head... Is a, which means gray-headed. The hoary head is a crown of glory. F. F. There's a big F there. The gray-headed is a crown of glory if it be found in the way of righteousness. And when I thought of that verse, righteousness... I looked at Psalm 71 again, and you can pick them out later. Do you know what I found in this psalm? Five times this elderly saint said, Now I'm old and gray-headed. He refers to God's righteousness five times. Do you know what I thought? I always remember Willie Mullen used to say, Look for the key in the passage. 
Surely that's the key to understanding this psalm. Righteousness. Righteousness. God's righteousness. Five times. Now, the older I get, the more I realize that I'm not righteous. Remember a man when I worked in the Bethel bookshop a year before going to New Guinea, he came in and he said, oh, you can reach a stage where you never sin. I said, I don't believe that. Don't believe that at all. I said, I believe the closer you get to the Lord, the more you'll see that we're nothing and we need God's grace. Oh, he was very angry with me. <laughs> now, what did the great Paul, Apostle Paul say in 1 Timothy 1.15? A man that had commenced churches, the great apostle who had written so many uh, books of our New Testament. You know what he said? Christ Jesus come into the world to save sinners, of whom I used to be. No, he didn't. He said, of whom I am, chief. He didn't say, I used to be a sinner. No, he said, I'm just a sinner. He wrote in Romans 6, in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. See, we have no righteousness of our own. This, this guidance for older senior citizens, if you like, those who have retired, it's for those who know that they've no righteousness of their own. Have you ever come to that place? Or are you still thinking, well, I hope I'll be good enough when I die for God to let me into heaven? You can't be good enough. We're sinners. Oh, but thank God for the day when we realize that Christ is our righteousness. You see, like David, I can say, verse 15 of Psalm 71, my mouth shall forth, show forth thy righteousness, thy salvation. You see, my hope today is not in my righteousness, it's in God's righteousness. That's what David says. My hope's in his righteousness. Second Corinthians 5, 21 explains the gospel. For God hath made him, that's Christ, who knew no sin. He was the only perfectly righteous person ever walked this earth. God hath made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. What does that mean? That Christ lived that righteous life I could never live, and at Calvary he died my death. All my unrighteousness, the penalty of my sins, was laid upon him, and he died for my sins. And the verse goes on, became sin for, me, for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Christian, the day you trusted Christ as your Savior, at that moment, you are declared absolutely righteous or perfect before God. Now, we know we're sinners, but we're accepted because of Christ's righteousness put to our account. Very quickly, Romans 3.22, the gospel is even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. It's to everyone who believes. His righteousness is put to our account. That's why David sang in this psalm about God's righteousness. Or David, this is Psalm 4.6, the writer of this psalm, and this Roman says this, David described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth, puts to the account God's righteousness. Do you know anything about this? Righteous, righteous. And so it's not for every person. What did this righteous, uh, the man who trusted in the righteousness of God, do? when he was old and gray-headed? Well, three things. 
Number one's obvious, contemplation of the past. You read this psalm later today and go through it. He mentions oftentimes his past life, his past life. Verse 17, thou hast, that's past tense. He's looking back, and as one grows older, I don't need to tell you, you think more and more about the past. And verse 17 says, from my youth, think back to your youth. In verse 6, he goes further back. God held me from my birth. And thank God he looked back to a time when he trusted the Lord. For in verse 5, it says that he trusted the Lord. Thou art my trust. As a young man, a young boy, well, a young boy would have been with David because as a teenager, he, he fought Goliath. So as a boy, he trusted the Lord. And can you look back this morning to your youth? When you were led to trust Christ as your Savior, well, you have much to rejoice about, haven't you? Wonderful to know you're saved. But look at verse 17. He looks back not only how he trusted the Lord, but how he had been taught by the Lord. Verse 17. Thou hast taught me from my youth. Privileged to be taught of the Lord. Now, I thank God, looking back, for men. And of course, I learned a lot from godly women too. And especially elderly saints, when I think about it, as the joy of being a minister, sometimes you would into some houses of some elderly lady, maybe not knowing much among the congregation, maybe never expressed her prayers publicly. I think of one lady in my mind now, many years ago, and oh, the tragedy she'd had. Her husband had died. She found her son suicide. She found him. Her daughter getting cancer treatment. She getting cancer treatment. And my, when you went in to be in that lady's presence, oh, the joy of the Lord. You get taught from people like that. But I think of men who taught. David, you see, could remember Samuel. Samuel had taught David, and David saying, I've been taught of the Lord, and God uses human instruments. And I can look back and think of joyful times hearing Dr. Paisley. Ravenhill, heard him, of course, here sometimes, but not as much, because I was in the ministry and away as a missionary. But, oh, the times were taught at Dr. Pace. I remember Willie Mullen, under whose ministry I was converted. And I think of many other men I could mention. And I thank God for those men. But they were the instruments. It's God that did the teaching. Can you look back in your life and say, God taught me. God taught me. Taught me his righteousness. Oh, yes, you look back and you think of your failings. You think of mistakes, and I've made them. I'm not going to spend time telling you them all. But there's regrets and failings. But thank God, and this is what I'd put there in my notes, what Helen sang, Great is thy faithfulness. No, in the past we look back. Don't be taken up too much for regrets. It's in the past. Or it's under the blood. Forgiven. God, we're not faithful as we ought to have been, but his faithfulness. And he looks back to when he trusted the Lord, when he had been taught by the Lord. Ah, but then he speaks about the trials, verse 20. Look what he said. Thou hast showed me great and sore troubles. Notice what he said. He does talk in verses how his enemies had troubled him, how his enemies had attacked him. Deliver me from the enemies. But he said, Lord, thou hast troubled me. He recognizes in the hymn we have just sung, all our trials come from God and his will. See, we blame the second causes. 
Now, he is very high in verse 19. God is very high. What that means, he's, he can't explain himself to us. His ways are not our ways. And of course, the example of that is Joseph. If Joseph was a godly young teenager, and he was, why did God allow him to be hated by his half-brothers? Why did God allow him to be cast into a pit? Why did God allow him to be sold into slavery? Why did God allow him to be unjustly uh, accused of an immoral crime and to be thrown into prison and to be forgotten by the butler and to lie in a jail? How could God love? Where's his God's love to him? And maybe you look back in your life and say, why did this tragedy come? Some believers of that more than others. But you remember what Joseph said in chapter 50? He said to his half-brothers, you meant this for evil. You did it out of evil against me. But when I look back to all the things you did to me, and of course they were hurtful to him, God meant it for good. Joseph said that he could be the Savior to people. In other words, for us today, we could say, through those trials, we were able to witness to the Lord. We can't understand, but see, the unsaved can't understand that. David said in another place, it's good, I've been afflicted. All things work together for good. Well, he looks back. He looks back, contemplating the past. But old and gray-headed, there's the occupation in the present. Look at verse 18 again. That from thou hast to now, now. He doesn't sit idly by and saying, I've retired, I've put up my feet. No, no, no. You see, there comes a stage in most lives when you retire from the occupation in which you're in. But whether you're a school child here or whether you're uh, in paid employment or whether you are, as the world calls it, secular retirement, we still have the same occupation. You see, if you're still working in a job, Christian, that's not your main occupation. Never think of that. Your main occupation as a Christian, whether you're working full-time or whether, like me, you're sort of retired, though we enjoy preaching, of course, but retired from the active pastorate, no matter what situation, what age, Christians, we never retire in that sense of our occupation for the Lord. We're still to witness for the Lord and to serve the Lord. It may be in a different way, but God has something for us to do. And our contemplation of God's righteousness to us in the past ought to encourage us in our occupation today. Now, when he was old and gray-headed, what did he do? He prays. Verse 18, forsake me not. Verse 2, deliver me in thy righteousness. He prays. Enemies were against him. He prays. And, and elderly face particular enemies. Discouragement, fear, doubts. Verse 12, make haste for thy help. He prays for God's protecting care to be upon him. When we're older, we can still pray. Remember Anna in the temple? Remember Simeon? And still pray. And then he professes in verse 18, he was enabled to show thy strength unto this generation. Look at verse 15, my mouth shall forth, show forth thy righteousness and thy salvation. 
Verse 16, make mention of thy righteousness. Verse 24, my tongue also shall talk of thy righteousness. He not only, his occupation was not only to talk to the Lord, but to talk about the Lord. He wanted to be a witness. He wanted to tell others. And there's something effective about the testimony of an older saint who's been down the road and experienced hardships. There's something effective about that testimony. And that's our responsibility. We're to be witnesses. We used to say this way, say a wee word for the Lord. Tell what he means to you. We still do that. And it's effective. Very effective. Ah, but then he praises, verse 22, I will also praise. That's our occupation. To praise the Lord. Verse 23, with lips I shall greatly rejoice. Verse 15, my mouth shall show forth. He's talking about praising. This elderly saint can say, God has put a new song in my mouth. Every day he got up. He might have been feeling the pains of the body, but oh, thank God, today I've got a new song. What that new means, it never, it's always fresh. It's, all, it's the old, old story, tis old yet ever new, up every day, up every day. You know, there was a famous uh, minister many years ago, you know what he prayed? This is a minister who used to pray, even before he retired, Lord, save me from being a bitter old man. <laughs> Not a strange prayer. It's a good prayer though, isn't it? David wasn't a bitter old man. He'd faced many hardships and many hurts from his own family, from friends. But he's rejoicing. See, rejoice is a choice. Rejoice is a choice. You say, but I don't feel like rejoice. You don't praise when you feel like it. What you do is rejoice in the Lord. You begin to think of his righteousness. And when you begin to think of all that you have in Christ, how rich you are, now, you mightn't be rich financially. You may be, even be one of the things you're praying about, to struggle to make ends meet. But listen, you're rich. Think of the things the world can't give you and the world can't take away. <laughs> and then you begin to think about the Lord and his righteousness to you. Then you begin to praise. That's the point. You may be in a hospital ward, critically ill. You don't feel like praising. But when you think you have the Lord with you, when I thought about that, I couldn't help thinking some of you older ones remember Pastor Ivan Thompson. I remember him before he went into the ministry when he was just saved. He used to be a burglar, by the way. He used to carry a black-rolled umbrella and look as if he was rich, and he was casing the joint. Is that the term? He was looking at houses he had robbed. He talked about the day he was sent down by the judge, and he wasn't so brave then. But he was gloriously saved, and then he became a pastor. He used to come into the Bethel bookshop, and so I remember him. He was diagnosed with a brain tumor. They operated, but they couldn't get it all. And the day they come round to tell him, he was there, over to the bed. Mr. Thompson, surgeon, said, we've some very bad news for you. You know what Ivan did? Hold on, doctor. Before you tell me that bad news, I've wonderful great news for you, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It's not tremendous news, doctor. It's not worth praising the Lord about. Now, what's your bad news? <laughs> see, that's a, a man like David who knows what it is to praise the Lord. You see, you don't stop living for the Lord no matter what age we are. 
No, our main occupation is to pray, to profess, and to praise. And I don't turn to this verse, but I'm sure you know it if you've reached my age. Psalm 92, verse 12. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. Verse 14. Listen. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. And let me tell you something about the palm tree. The house we lived in New Guinea for some years, our floor was made out of the palm bark. Our walls were made out of the palm uh, leaf. Our roof was palm leaf. But all the palms, you sort of could, it's for everything, usefulness, usefulness. And you know something about, well, there's different palm trees, coconut palms and other date palms, so on. But you know what they tell you? The older the palm tree, the sweeter the fruit. You feeling that you're in the older category this morning? God's Word says the older the palm tree, the sweeter the fruit, the older the saint, the sweeter their fruitfulness for Christ. Is that your occupation today? Is contemplation of the past, is occupation in the present, ah, but he's an aspiration for the future? He looks forward. He's not looking back. He's looking forward. Look at verse 18 again. They have thou hast, that's the past. And then you have now, that's the present. Verse 18, until, until, he's looking forward. Don't forsake me, Lord, until, verse 9, cast me not off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength faileth. He says, I can't do it on my own, Lord. I need your strength. Now, I don't think he's doubting that the Lord would cast him off, but he's asking, Lord, I need you because I know in myself I'll fail. I'll fail. I can't do it my way. I think I told you last time I was here, the, the top ten music played at funerals in the United Kingdom, not one of them is a hymn. Not one of them. I'm talking about general funerals and the population. And the favorite hymn by far, or the favorite, sorry, song by far played at funerals is I Did It My Way. Imagine in the face of death. No, David wasn't a God. He said, Lord, I need you. I need you with me. I wonder, did he mean spiritual strength? You see, David had failed in his earlier life. You know that. We don't need to mention his sin. Was he praying, Lord, even as I look to whatever days I've left, Lord, keep me from sin. Keep me from bringing any shame on your name. Lord, give me strength. Give me strength. You see, he was looking to the Lord's protection, presence, and power so that he could carry out the Lord's uh, purpose in his life. Verse 20, thou shalt quicken me. Revive me. Make me alive. Verse 21 may seem strange. Thou shalt increase my greatness. Now, I don't think he's praying, Lord, make me great and famous. No. I think the idea of greatness is usefulness. Lord, give me usefulness. He wanted to be useful for the Lord to get the message out. You see, I always think of Samuel thinking if, and I'm talking now as a minister, you see, there's a time came in Samuel's life, he was judge of Israel, when they said, you're old, we want the king. And Samuel stepped down 
from the ministry he'd carried on as a prophet. Well, not still prophesied, but as a judge over Israel. But do you know, he lived for another 17 years. He had a different type of ministry, but he still lived for the Lord. And in those years, he prayed for the people. He instructed David. See, he was still fruitful. That's the idea, I think, David's saying here. Lord, give, give me a work to do. Lord, sustain me so that I can leave a legacy to those around me, so that I can speak, verse 18, to everyone that is to come. Lord, help me to speak of Christ. I love the hymn, Happy if with my latest breath I may but lisp thy name. Preach thee to all and say in death, Behold, behold the Lamb. Now, that's something to think about on your birthday, isn't it? Something to think about when you read, read this or reach this stage of life. Of course, we look for what does the future hold? We can die at any time. The young die. Two churches that I was connected with in my ministry, one as minister, one as looking after the church, they both started graveyards. The first grave in one was a baby a few months old. The other was a toddler. Just comes to mind another where the man gave the property. At 42, he was the first buried in it. So any of us can die. But, of course, as you get older, death, the our own, our own mortality becomes more conscious to us. We're nearing the end of the journey. Maybe the eyes growing dim, well, one day they'll see the King in His glory. Are our ears becoming a little bit deaf? Well, they shall hear the music of the shepherd's voice. You know, when we were young, and I look back, and you heard the voice of your mum or dad, it's bedtime. And you know, I wasn't always a good child. You probably knew that anyway. <laughs> and you fight it. No, I don't want to go to bed. You're going to bed. No, I don't want to go to bed. It's bedtime. It's bedtime. But you went to bed and fell asleep. And as you get older and David realizes it, death's coming. It's almost my bedtime when I'll go to sleep. But in the meantime... The last years can be the best years. The last years can be the best years. Why? Because God will uphold us by his righteous right hand. Just look at Psalm 71, verse 20, because I'd better finish. He says, He shall quicken me, make me alive again. And watch this. And shall bring me up again from the depths of the earth. Ah. That's his aspiration. One day, I know I'm going to die if the Lord doesn't come, but I know that there's going to be a glorious resurrection. Yes, bedtime's coming, but I'm going to wake him. And I'm going to see the king in his glory. You see, if you understand God's righteousness... And you can rejoice in his righteousness today. Physical death is not a hopeless end. It's the entrance into an endless hope. 
It's into glory forever. However, if you know nothing of God's righteousness and you're still trusting in your own righteousness, death is frightening. Death is a horror. Death is for you a hopeless end. But when you know Christ as Savior, Christ as your righteousness, you say this morning, I know I'm only a sinner, but my hope's in Christ is my righteousness. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Well then, that can take the gloom out of the grave, the terror out of the tomb, and the dread out of death. The aspiration for the child of God is heaven. Heaven. You know, the devil has many people today. The devil has many old people. But he doesn't have any happy old people. They're not happy. And they're going to leave anything that brings them a momentarily happiness. But when you're in the Lord, it gets sweeter as the days go by. All because we know his righteousness. Thy righteousness. Meditate upon this psalm and look to Christ. We're going to close by singing a hymn about that righteousness, 302 in the book. It'll be in front of you. My late father and mother, who were both believers, both of them left instructions at their funeral. Ron, we want sung, Jesus, thy blood and righteousness. Of course, we fulfilled their wishes.